The minute that you get labeled a conspiracy theorist, pretty much everything that you have to say ceases to be taken seriously. The red pill is just about kind of shaking up your perception of the way that things really And on the understanding that what you've been told your entire life is a consciously constructed lie. You take the blue pill, the story ends, you wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. The idea of Project Bluebeam is that NASA, with the help of the United Nations, was attempting to implement a new age religion with the Antichrist at its head and start a new world order via technology simulating the second coming of Christ. I occasionally think how quickly our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. Hawkeye Media presents... Conspiracy with PJ and Abby. And that's the thing about conspiracy theories is like it's sometimes they're not going to be true. And it's okay. There's literally nothing wrong with asking the questions and pulling on the threads and doing the research. It is what it is. Hello, Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Monday night Bible stream with PJ and Abby from Conspiracy Field. That's us. We are talking about that Ezekiel, <laughs> the weird prophet, the weird one. I'm sorry. I'm on. I'm uh, I'm all kinds of jacked up tonight. I'm jacked up on Mountain Dew. Yeah, not true. I found out that NOS is still an energy drink. And it's uh, I'm just kind of giddy off of it. So how are you doing tonight, Abby? Well, I was fine until my candle went out. Oh, that just ruined Please the whole show. Please hold. Now, Technical now you're, difficult. <laughs> now your this is fine dog doesn't make any sense because it only makes sense if there's a fire nearby. Exactly. I have we to fix back this. Up. We got to back up. The chat, I'm sure, is 100% curious what scent your new candle is. Oh, it's the Inklings. Um, it's not new. I, I've used it, but it's um, cider oak and pipe tobacco. This is probably that my sounds- favorite one. That sounds good. I didn't know they made uh, candles that smell like pipe tobacco. Yeah, this company does this one and they do one called Sherlock study, which is even more aggressively pipe tobacco. This one is more nice. cidery. You uh, know what I'm going to do instead of burning a candle with pipe tobacco is I'm just yeah. going to start smoking a pipe during our you show. You should just start smoking a pipe. I, I've got uh, like three of them in this office. I just need to, I need to just do it. I need a studio <laughs> that I can smoke in. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So goals, people. That's why you got to support Conspiracy Pill. So we can uh, have on locals. (laughs) (laughs) So we can have a studio we can smoke cigars in and pipes. And yes, in the chat, uh, Nana C guessed I put the Fibonacci sequence. And yes, that is that is it. Well done. Oh, okay. I see. Yeah, everybody's putting numbers because I was trying to test. I can't put your guys' chat up on screen tonight um, because it's not working. We're both having internet issues. I'm running on my second form of internet tonight because my first one just crashed. Abby's also got two forms of internet. One of them's <laughs> kind of she's yeah, popped in and out a few times while we're they just up. put fiber into our neighborhood and it's just got a, a couple. Hic- we're figuring it out. Mm-hmm. We just haven't had it before. We're figuring it out. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way things are. All right. So in yes. Oh, also, I'll just mention we did uh, we did not stream our last unhinged episode because of Internet issues. But the only good thing, like sometimes it's yeah. it's God's providence because yeah. more news has come out on the thing we we're going to talk about that adds to what I was going to say. 
Remember so that time? I think maybe we just weren't supposed to do it yet. Yeah. Remember that time when, when you were super bummed out and you were like, I don't think we're going to be able to stream tonight. And I was like, well, maybe that's because more information is going to come out. And then more information came out. Remember that? I mean, like three days ago. Yeah. Do you, do you, do yeah. you remember that? I remember that. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I was, I, I think I was there. Yeah. yeah. Were you? Okay. So. Good. Good. <laughs> uh, you know what? Uh, Frida's got the right idea. She says, maybe we should say a prayer. That was exactly what I was going to say. Great, we're going to do next plan. before we get into uh, Ezekiel and all of the, the weirdness. Maybe the weirdest book in the Bible. I think it is. That says a lot. So I'm all Honestly, probably. <laughs> probably. Go for it. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, anyway, I'm going to say prayer. Dear Lord, thank you so much for bringing us here today. Thank you so much for Abby and what a blessing uh, she's been in my life and what a blessing Conspiracy Pilled in this community has been and for Hawkhound uh, and, and Jess and Elise and Quirks Creation and all the people that have come together to make this whole crazy little project a reality and all the people who support and make this this uh, make it so we can do this. And I just pray that you um, protect our internet, Lord, that you keep us uh, with a secure connection that uh, you bless the the words we're going to say and that uh, you speak through us tonight and uh, just use us as your vessels, Lord, to bring your message, to shine your light and to bring understanding to the weirdest book in the Bible. And uh, we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And a right. woman. No, can we not? Do <laughs> canceled, canceled. Uh, so it's it's like it's it's a gut reaction now. I can't hear amen. Without <laughs> well, my my brother the other day said a them. So I think a you're them. even outdated. Uh, you're outdated if you're not doing amen. A you woman, know what? A them. I'm just old fashioned. Wow, that's, bigot- that's called bigoted. You can't be old fashioned anymore. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. All right, well, let's get into Ezekiel. Do we want, can I, before we start reading no. it, can I just go over like some basic, I, no. I like the, fine, fine. <laughs> Do it. I'm sound. Uh, <laughs> I, I like, <laughs> I like these little introductions they have because I feel like uh, so often people will jump into a verse. Uh, people will open up the Bible and just go to like, here's a chapter and verse, read it. Cool. What can I get from it? And it's like without context and without some historical understanding, uh, I think, it's not going to give you what you're looking for. You can't just read the Bible like here's a verse and that gives me everything I need. Um, but we've talked about that. Before. Wait, so wait, wait. A little bit of <laughs> say that again. You can't just read one not, verse and then preach a whole it, sermon on it. It's not a fortune cookie, unfortunately. Yeah, the Bible. The Bible is not a bunch of fortune cookies stapled together <laughs> with a binding, as as many people believe. <laughs> Yes, I also went to a church that uh, we heard five Bible verses over the course of a year because uh, that was the way preaching was done. Uh, so anyway, let's, let's get a little background information. So Ezekiel lived during a time of international upheaval. The Assyrian Empire that had once uh, once conquered the Syro-Palestinian area and destroyed the northern kingdom of Israel, which fell to the Assyrians in 722 BC, began to crumble under the blows of a resurgent Babylonia. In 612, the great Assyrian city of Nineveh fell to a combined force of Babylonian and Medes. Three years later, Pharaoh uh, Necho II of Egypt marched north to assist the Assyrians and try uh, and try to reassert Egypt's age-old influence over Canaan and Aram, or Syria. At uh, Megiddo, King Josiah of Judah, who may have been the ally of Babylonia as King Hezekiah had been, attempted to intercept the Egyptian forces but was crushed, losing his life in the battle. 
Uh, Jeho- Jehoah, my gosh, I'm already starting. Jehoahaz, that's, I think I'm close. <laughs> All right, yeah, Je- yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's okay. We're going with it. Jehoahaz, a son of Josiah, ruled Judah for only three months, after which Necho installed Jehoiakim, another son of Josiah, as his royal vassal in Jerusalem. In 605, the Babylonians overwhelmed the Egyptian army at Carcaim. They pressed south as far as the... <laughs> who, put a, who put a question mark on the teleprompter? Uh, they pressed south as far as Philistine Plain. In the same year, Nebuchadnezzar was elevated to the Babylonian throne, and Jehoiakim shifted allegiances to him. When a few years later, the Egyptian and Babylonian forces met in a standoff battle, Jehoiakim rebelled against his new overlord. It's almost done with this part. Nebuchadnezzar soon responded by sending a force against Jerusalem, subduing it in 597 BC. Jehoiakim's son, Jehoiachin, that's a really clever, Jehoiakim and Jehoiachin. I I hope he had a massive chin. Uh, Jehoiachin, about 10,000 Jews, included Ezekiel, were exiled to Babylon, or to Babylonia. So that's the important part, is this is after the destruction of Jerusalem and the exiles to Babylon. So instead of like Jeremiah, who's giving visions and prophecies and uh, all of that leading up to saying, Hey, if you don't, if you don't stop doing that, God's going to come and uh, kind of destroy us. Ezekiel's speaking afterwards, hmm. uh, kind of like Daniel. We just got finished with Daniel. Daniel's in that empire. Uh, let's see. Jehoiachin and about 10,000 Jews, including Ezekiel were exiled to Babylonia where they were joined those who were exiled in Jehoiakim's third year. Nebuchadnezzar placed Jehoiachin, Jehoiachin's uncle Zedekiah on the throne in Jerusalem, but within five or six years, he too rebelled. The Babylonians laid siege to Jerusalem in 588, and on July 586, the walls were breached and the city plundered, and uh, in 586, the city and temple were burned. Under, the Nebu- under Nebuchadnezzar and his successors, Babylonia dominated the international, international scene until it was crushed by Cyrus the Persian. So that's kind of some history. And then just a little bit on Ezekiel. What is known about Ezekiel is he uh, derives was is derived solely from this book that bears his name. He was among the Jews who were exiled to Babylonia in 597 BC, and there among the exiles he received his call to become a prophet. He was married, lived in a house of his own, and along with his fellow exiles, through uh, though confined in Babylonia, had a relatively free existence there. So, just a little bit about what's going on. Exile, but he's still married, has a wife. Uh, and he's kind of kind of got a little bit of his freedom despite being mm-hmm. an exile. So he's not like Daniel who was castrated and put in the king's right. court, which is a much different existence than than Ezekiel had. Well, like that's the first wave exiles versus second wave, right? Yes. Yeah. So Ezekiel's the second wave exile? No, no, he'd have been the first wave. Oh. Right? I thought I thought you read that he was in he was in the second group that joined the the ones that were already there. Well, now I need to double check that. I thought it's. I thought he was in the first wave. I thought that's what it said. Daniel, wrong on that. Daniel was definitely in the first wave. Yeah. Anyway, we'll we'll go ahead and read, and I'll just double okay. check that. Okay. But uh, yeah, so let's get into the weirdest prophet in the Bible. Okay. And just a quick reminder: this is not like a sermon or anything. We're just, if you guys are new to this, we like to read through the Bible and have conversations and talk. We are going to be talking about UFOs tonight. Because it's right here in the beginning. Yeah. Um, but yeah, welcome in. It's just kind of what we do on Monday nights. If you guys missed it last Monday, uh, Jess and Elise from Quirks of Creation read Genesis. And they're going to be continuing that again next week. So trying to keep these Bible studies going on Mondays as much as we possibly can. So anyway. I just want to point out right as we go in that 
revelation, which we did first, there is a whole like John introduces himself and he's like, this is who I am. And this is who I'm writing these letters to and all this stuff. Um, Blessed are you who read this book out loud. And then Daniel's like gives several chapters of history and like, this is what I was up to before he gets to his visions. Ezekiel's like, nope, nope, nope. In the 30th year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month, as I was among the exiles by the Cheaper Canal, the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. <laughs> Doesn't introduce it just himself. Jumps right into. This is a guy you wouldn't probably want to have a conversation with because he's all business. Oh, yeah. Ezekiel's all business. He's like, yeah, whatever. I don't care. Like, I don't want the highs. And I just look, this happened. Well, it starts <laughs> off with a with a thing, too, that nobody still kind of knows what it means. Yeah, because it starts off with in the 30th year. And I'm only going to point it out to say everybody argues on what that means because it's not 30. It's unless unless he wrote this part and like Quentin Tarantino it and put it before the other things that happen. It said later he's in like this year and that year of the exile. So it's huh. not 30 years into exile if it's the beginning and there's no other like 30 like people have tried to figure it out what they figure the best thing that I heard is it's just saying he's 30 years old. Oh, like in his, in his 30th, 30th year. year. In yeah. 30th so year. I think that's that's kind of what I'm going with until I have other evidence. But it seems like unless this part is like the end and then it gets put in the beginning, which doesn't make sense, then nobody really knows what in the 30th year means. <laughs> Got so, it. <laughs> maybe he's 30. You know, he, it's already reading really Alex Jones. So I'm going to it really is <laughs> on. The, <laughs> I saw visions of God <laughs> on the fifth day of the month. It was the fifth year of the exile of King Jehoiachin. You know, yeah, he, he follows it up and says what year of the exile it is. So, okay. Right, exactly. So that's what I was trying to, I, I was wrong even to think that. It's like right away. I was going to say, I know he says fifth year later. No, it's like right away. So, yeah. yeah. The word of the Lord came to Ezekiel, the priest, the son of Buzi, in the land of the Chaldeans by the Cheaper Canal, and the hand of the Lord was upon him there. I like how he can't pick whether he's in first person first or third, or third person. person. <laughs> he's like, no, sit down. I, this let is what me I think st- happened. Yeah, <laughs> this is what I think happened. Okay. I think it was written in third person. Like, would you give a forward to this book? Yeah. In, th- in my 30th year, God came to me and I saw visions signed Ezekiel. There you go. Send it. Print it. I don't got time. I got to I got to read this whole thing over because this is just this is just fire. <laughs> It really is. It feels real though. Don't you feel like you're sitting down like I, it with feels this like guy. a real. Yeah, feels like he's a real, like, I think <laughs> as we will go on, I think this beginning will make more sense. People who have not read Ezekiel before. He's he's a very weird and very all about the business kind of guy. Absolutely. Okay. He's not Jeremiah. He's not he's not crying. Oh, no, no. Oh, no, no. <laughs> this guy was married <laughs> and there's hope for all of you. <laughs> In the thirtieth year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day, I gotta read it like. In the thirtieth year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month, as I was among the exiles by the Cheaper Canal, the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. On the Somebody's fifth day of the month, somebody's asking me to do a Ezekiel impression in Alex Jones' voice, and since this is the only first person part, let me, let me try. You it You gotta do quick. it. This is gonna be really bad. Do it. <clears throat> okay, folks. In the thirtieth year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month, <clears throat> I was among the exiles at the Cheaper Canal. Hard to believe it happened. I was there. The heavens were opened up and I saw visions of God <laughs> raining down frogs. <laughs> Sorry, I can't do it. I, my, my Alex Jones so, impression's terrible today. <laughs> it's funny. I haven't worked on it. 
on the fifth day of the month it was the fifth year of the exile of king george and he's like on the fifth day of the month wait a second i haven't told you the year yet fifth year uh the word of the lord came to ezekiel the priest i picture him starting telling the story to like one or two people in first person and then like more people gather around and he's like oh i should i should make this more official so <laughs> the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzi in the, in the land of the Chaldeans by the Cheever canal. And the hand of the Lord was upon him there. And then we're back to first person. As I looked, <laughs> as I, this is the most chaotic book of the Bible for, for absolute sure. As I looked, yeah. behold, a stormy wind came out of the North and a great cloud with brightness around it. And fire flashing forth continually and in the midst of the fire, as it were, gleaming metal. Is everybody tracking? <laughs> we'll show some pictures of what people think this looks like, but yeah. And from the midst of it came the likeness of four living creatures. And this was their appearance. They had a human likeness, but each had four faces and each of them had four wings their legs were straight and the soles of their feet were like the sole of a calf's foot and they sparkled like burnished bronze under their wings on their four sides. They had human hands and the four had their faces and their wings. Thus their wings touched one another. Each one of them went straight forward without turning as they went. As for the likeness of their faces, each had a human face. The four had the face of a lion on the right side. The four had the face of an ox on the left side. The four had the face of an eagle. Such were faces. And their wings were spread out above. Each creature had two wings, each of which touched the wing of the of another. Uh, while two covered their bodies, and each went straight forward. Wherever the spirit would go. That's such a strange line. Wherever the spirit would go, they went without turning as they went. It's all very strange. Yeah, yes. it starts off very strange. As for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire, like the appearance of torches moving to and fro among the living creatures. And the fire was bright and out of the fire went forth lightning and the living creatures darted to and fro like the appearance of a flash of lightning. Now, as I looked at the living creatures, I saw a wheel on the earth beside the living creatures, one for each of the four of them. As for the appearance of the wheels and their construction, their appearance was like the gleaming of barrel. And the four had the same likeness, their appearance and construction. I love how he's using this word construction. Yeah. Like these, the, these are made things. Uh, yeah, we'll get back to it. But yeah, for sure. I got a lot of thoughts on this thing. Their appearance and construction being as it were a wheel within a wheel. When they went, they went in any of their four directions without turning as they went and their rims were tall and awesome and the rims of all four were full of eyes all around. And when the living creatures went, the wheels went beside them. And when the living creatures rose from the earth, the wheels rose wherever the spirit wanted to go. They went and the wheels rose along with them for the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. When those went, these went. And when those stood, these stood. And when those rose from the earth, the wheels rose along with them, for the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. You can picture this guy is trying very, very hard to explain something he does absolutely not understand. He's exactly. looking at it. He's like, look, guys, this is what I saw. 
and I'm going to describe it in incredible detail. And also, I have no idea what I'm talking about. I don't have language to describe the thing that I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. Over the heads of the living creatures, there was the likeness of an expanse, shining like awe-inspiring crystals spread out above their heads. And under the expanse, their wings were stretched out straight one toward another. And each creature had two wings covering its body. And when they went, I heard the sound of their wings, like the sound of many waters, like the sound of the Almighty, a sound of tumult, like the sound of an army. When they stood still, they let down their wings, and there came a voice from above the expanse over their heads. When they stood still, they let down their wings. And above the expanse over their heads, there was the likeness of a throne, an appearance like sapphire. And seated above the likeness of a throne was a likeness with a human appearance. And upward from what had the appearance of his waist, I saw, as it were, gleaming metal, like the appearance of fire enclosed all around And downward from what had the appearance of his waist, I saw as it were the appearance of fire and there was brightness around him like the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud on the day of rain. So was the appearance of the brightness all around. So he uses the word appearance a lot. He's like, I'm not saying it's this. I'm saying this is what it looked like. This is the thing that it looks. I know it's not that. I'm glad you pointed that out. The the words appearance and construction keep coming up in this and it, very much reads some people want to take this super literally but very much reads like someone trying to explain something that is beyond them yeah and he's saying wheels within wheels and all of the i mean all these things that are just like it's like a throne it's like metal it's like this yeah but it's not quite it has the appearance of this thing but i don't know how else to say it i appreciate how hard he's trying because most people would have been like it was crazy i can't even I can't even describe it to you. I literally can't even right now. (laughs) Ezekiel literally couldn't even. Couldn't even. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, let's finish this part and then I got some thoughts on it. Such was the sentence, I think. (laughs) Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell on my face and I heard the voice of one speaking. And he said to me, Son of man. Well, let's, let's let's stop there at the end of chapter okay. one because I want to talk about this for a minute. So okay. I want to go back and just make sure uh, the beginning. It's I'm just going to read this part again. It says, as I looked, behold, a stormy wind came up out of the north and a great cloud with brightness all around it and fire flashing forth continually. So I just want to point this out. It does not say in a dream, in a vision. It says, as I looked and as I looked north. He's pointing in directions. This is not someone who's dreaming this, I don't think. I've heard a lot of people say, well, you guys are saying it looked like this and that and the other, but it's clear symbolism based on because it's a dream or a vision. And I'm not sure it says it's a dream or a vision. I mean, it it sounds like a a real appearance. Am I wrong on this? um, In verse one, he says, and I saw visions of God. But you can also say like. But that doesn't mean a dream either. Yeah, people will use the word visions, um, especially. First of all, this is a translation, but second, um, people will use that when when it's it's like she she looked like a vision when you're just saying she looked amazing, right? It could, it could be a vision, it could be a dream. I'm not I'm not saying it's not. I just think it's interesting that he's pointing out directions and saying he's seeing. Well, this thing. he's also saying I was <clears throat> with the exiles at the Cheber Canal, mm-hmm. and I saw visions of God. Um, I was, I was by the cheaper canal and the hand of the Lord was upon me and I looked and behold this and I saw all these things. I, so I right. think that 
it doesn't have to be a dream for him to be slightly outside of our reality. Like he's, there's, he's there's looking into something else before there, there's precedent of this. There's uh, Elijah who is amongst other people and is seeing things in the sky that they're not seeing mm-hmm. and they are real. And yeah. it said that they're real. It said that God opened up his, his eyes to see the things that other people couldn't see. Mm-hmm. So just because, yeah, doesn't mean that everybody had to have seen it, but I do find that interesting. The question around this, obviously, and we put it in the title of this is does the Bible talk about UFOs? And we, yeah. we brought this up before in our episode on the grays, I believe. Yeah. Okay. So there's a few things I want to say on this. First of all, I understand a lot of Christians don't like the idea that this is talking about UFOs and I get why. And I wanted to address that first. Ancient aliens uses this all the time to say, well, look, Elijah or sorry, Ezekiel, he didn't really have these visions of God. He didn't really know he's he, what he saw was the Anunnaki coming down and mm. the, all the Jewish people were really just seeing the Anunnaki and mistaking them for gods. Cause who wouldn't? Cause the Egyptians did and the Aztecs did and this and that and the other. So it, com- it, it completely cuts out and edits Ezekiel down to chapters one and chapters 10. Yes. Because there is another vision of this in chapter 10, which we'll get to uh, probably not tonight. I don't know, but uh, they just cut it down and say, look, it's just the Anunnaki. It's all aliens. We were put here by aliens. I don't want to say that. And I, and, and even the people who have kind of taken this, there's a book called, uh, there's a book called um, the, the spaceships of Ezekiel. And we talked about that too. And in it, this guy reads through Ezekiel and he cuts out all the religious stuff and the significance and, and all that. And he's just like, <clears throat> I took this and I studied Ezekiel for years and found based on what I read in Ezekiel created a patent that was used by NASA for the landing wheels on space rovers. Uh, basically the wheel within a wheel thing, right? So he kind of goes through it as a technical manual by cutting out certain verses. Uh, and he uses this again as a way to say God doesn't exist. This is just, he kind of adds his own thing in. So I get the hesitation there. I don't think that that's what I'm trying to say. The other side of the coin uh, is people, and I respect some of these people's work. So this isn't me crapping on Michael Heiser. I think he does really good work. But my disagreement with Michael, I think it's Michael Heiser, is that he kind of glosses over everything in the Bible that gives any physicality to the supernatural, to angels and demons and fallen angels and in this case, whatever Ezekiel's seeing, it couldn't possibly be physical, um, which is interesting because he doesn't gloss over the whole Genesis six Nephilim thing, which I feel like right there is like th- that. You, know, you get what I'm saying? Like they had to have physical. It it really bodies to. <laughs> it's it's really interesting to me how adverse Christians are to the idea of angels and fallen angels having technology, <clears throat> and I'm like, mm-hmm. why? Where in the Bible Bible did it? Where in the Bible did it ever say these beings don't have a physical president presence in whatever dimension they are? Where in the Bible does it say that that they don't have possessions, that they don't have science, that they don't have technology, that they don't have? They're also God's creations, right? So who are we to say like, oh, that's our thing? None of the other creatures in the universe have this. and the complete and uh, and total dissociation of the spiritual and the physical is an idea that was founded in Gnosticism. It's not, in my in my opinion, and what I and what the Bible says, and what early church fathers say. I don't think that this idea that the physical and spiritual are hundred percent opposites on opposite ends. 
Mm -hmm. Uh, Then you wouldn't have God. You wouldn't have the raising of the dead. You wouldn't have heaven being brought down to earth, the resurrection of the body, all all these things that point to physical angels, eating, kicking people, sleeping with women. Like these things are physical beings as well. They're they're creations of giving us technology (laughs) because they have something to give us. It it is. You could absolutely make the argument that God didn't intend for Mm -hmm. us to have technology or at least to discover it at a different sort of pace but there, there have been times in history where fallen angels have stepped in and handed forbidden knowledge over that has made us, it, instead of having a it's slow, steady... It's almost steady, like it's right in the beginning in Genesis, just handing yeah. forbidden knowledge to people. Yeah. yeah. Instead of having a slow, steady <clears throat> prog- progression, we'll, we'll have a long plateau, and then all of a sudden, we'll like have this incredible boom of technology, and then we'll have a long plateau, an incredible boom of technology. <laughs> wonder what that's about. Like, yeah, it's... It, let me put it this way. A hunting rifle can be the greatest thing you could give a man to to provide for his family. It's not something you should give a kid without any knowledge of what Correct. it is and what yeah. it does, right? Yeah. Like, so I, I, people harp on this, and this is where Gnosticism really gets its uh, teeth into people is like, well, look, Satan's the good guy, actually, because he gave you knowledge. And it's like, well, knowledge, it's not that knowledge is bad. It's <laughs> it's knowledge without context can be really bad. Yeah. It can be extremely dangerous. Handing, wisdom, handing someone a nuke. Yeah. Yeah, wisdom, things like that. So uh, I think people just kind of misunderstand uh, God in a lot of ways, even though it seems to be repeated throughout the Bible, this idea that like you aren't ready for this thing Uh, because there's a reason we call him God the Father, you know. Anyway. uh, So so with people like Michael Heiser, uh, he kind of ignores the the physicality of the stuff. But what he says is that uh, the early Jewish people and even the Babylonians would have understood that these are references to the temple to the throne room that uh, or the, the, the inner sanctum of the temple. Cause you've got the, the Ark of the covenant and the cherubim and things like that. Uh, and he says that there is this, uh, the, 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 the essentially it had, there's this description in, in, I'm not going to go through all it's in Chronicles and Kings. And he, he went through this whole thing saying like in the throne room, it describes a thing that's like a chariot with wheels. Uh, that's also a throne, which is interesting because I don't think that negates this at all. To say, mm-hmm. hey, God has God has wanted us to know certain things about him and create certain things and put them in the Holy of Holies, yeah. like the Ark of the Covenant, which we see in heaven in Revelation, and and like this this wheeled chariot thing that there that uh, God rides on in the sky in front of Ezekiel does not neg- does not say this thing isn't physical, that people couldn't have seen something, and that what we're seeing and what we have seen throughout history could be angels and fallen angels and things like that using technology. We have all these examples of warfare fought between angels, chariots in the sky keeps coming up in the Bible a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea that there's things floating in the sky that angels are using is biblical is my point. And I don't think it's relegated to just a vision. I think that I, I think that it's entirely possible. So that's kind of where yeah. I'm coming down on this is like, to me, if you say this sounds like a UFO, I would probably agree with you because I think that I think that we have a lot of uh, interesting study cases of people saying there was this orb-like intelligence uh, UFO thing, but it seemed to have a, f- a fire inside of it, like a spirit. Mm-hmm. But there wasn't a thing in it, right? Like this is described by UFO witnesses sometimes. It sounds like the the Foo Fighters in a lot of ways, like yeah. this gleaming, burning metal yeah. ball thing. I- I'm just saying, like it, I don't think that saying this is references to things that God wanted us to know about him negates the fact that this could be a very physical, real mode of transportation for angels. Right. And uh, that he wants us to know this about him. Yes. Right. Yes. 
So, so I don't yeah. think we're to the temple part. Like we see the throne and, yeah. and the rainbow. Oh, while we're saying that, sorry, go ahead. I'm, I just want to show some pictures of kind of like some artist renditions of this, like the, the spirit, the wheels within the wheels. There's another, this one I think is more out of Ezekiel 10 where it says the, they have different faces and they're in the wheels. And then there's uh kind of this, which is like, Oh, interesting. I don't know yeah. how much I like these ones, but it, they're, they're interesting. Cause there's a Let's lot going just, on. There's the, the four creatures and yeah. then the four wheels, but the spirit of the creatures is in the wheels. Like they're, they are directing the wheels, but they're not inside them. My, my only problem with any of this, it's not that there's anything wrong with it. I think that you have to, what I think about when I read Ezekiel is this guy's describing it in the best way he can with his yes. understanding of technology. Yeah. So I feel like these are probably way too literal to what it probably actually looked like. Right. Just, and right. it very much could be. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Cause he also talks about like the way that it's able to propel itself and very there. I, I think he, we also need to point out the way that this is described compared to like every other dream description in the Bible, because when people are dreaming, they're like, I had this dream and here are the important parts. And Ezekiel is like, no, I'm going to describe to you every single detail that I saw in the best way that I can. Right. Even though it sounds yeah. really, really, really weird. Really freaking weird. So are we ready for chapter two? Let's do it. Okay. Um, read the last verse of the previous chapter, last half of it. Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. So he's not saying he's seeing God. He's saying he's seeing the likeness or the, the, the likeness of the glory of God. Yes. Like some sort of, I don't know what that means. Um, mm -hmm. Okay. And when I saw it, I fell on my face and I heard the voice of one speaking. And he said to me, son of man, stand on your feet and I will speak with you. And as he spoke to me, the spirit entered into me and set me on my feet. And I heard him speaking to me. And he said to me, son of man, I send you to the people of Israel, to nations of rebels who have rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. The descendants also are impudent and stubborn. I send you to them and you shall say to them, thus says the Lord God. And whether they hear or refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious house, they will know that a prophet has been among them. And you, son of man, be not afraid of them, nor be afraid of their words, though briars and thorns are with you, and you sit on scorpions. Be not afraid of their words, nor be dismayed at their looks, for they are a rebellious house, and you shall speak my words to them, whether they hear or refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious house. But you, son of man, hear what I say to you. Be not rebellious like that rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. And when I looked, behold, a hand was stretched out to me and behold, a scroll of a book was in it and he spread it before me and it had writing on the front and on the back and there were written on it words of lamentation and mourning and woe. And he said to me, son of man, eat whatever you find there. Eat this scroll and go speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth and he gave me the scroll to eat. And he said to me, son of man, feed your belly with this scroll that I give you and fill your stomach with it. Then I ate it and it was in my mouth as sweet as honey. This is not the first time we're eating well, scrolls. It it's, it's the first time because it's repeated in Revelation. Yeah. That it was sweet as You're honey right. and then bitter in his stomach. Mm-hmm. 
in the so, same context. Yeah. yeah. And again, this is why we have chosen the books that we're reading. We started with Revelation. We did Matthew 24 and 25. We did Daniel. Now we're doing Ezekiel because we're trying to go back and cross-reference all the things that, that Revelation is referencing. Yeah. And this is this is obviously one of them. Can I, I want to pause you really quick before you continue because yeah. the, the word son of man comes up. And this is said once in Daniel, and it's mm-hmm. the title given that Jesus calls himself the most in, yeah. in the Gospels. So there's a little note here. It says, son of man, uh, uh, a term that's used 93 times in Ezekiel, emphasizing the prophet's humanity as he was addressed by the transcendent God. Uh, Daniel 7.13 and 8.17, so twice in Daniel, are the only other places where the phrase is used as little as a title in the Old Testament. Jesus' frequent use of this phrase, referring to himself, showed that he was the S. S- eschatological figure spoken of in Daniel seven. Yeah. So this, from what I understand, saying all that, say this, from what I understand that this is not, maybe it's not the same exact phrase in Hebrew, but it's definitely not understood to be the same title that's being given to Ezekiel as to Jesus. Um, I have heard other people argue that the son of man is used the most in the book of Enoch when referring to the uh, coming Messiah. And that some people think that that's a reference the, that obviously Jude and Peter were familiar with the text, that they were referring to yeah. Enoch even more in the New Testament than we re- realize because of that title. But it's just as fair to say they're referring to Daniel because Daniel literally says, like, this is the title. So just some notes on that. I, I know it's a little confusing to hear Son of Man said to Ezekiel so many times when it's the title of Jesus, but it's not used the same way, apparently. Oh, did we lose Abby? I think we lost Abby. Am I, am I still alive? You went away for me. Okay. Are we all, we're all back. I was saying we're all back that Andy in the chat mentioned that this is the first time God is appearing to his, uh, the glory of the Lord is appearing to his exiled people after leaving the temple. So when Israel was a kingdom and when the temple was up, the glory of the Lord was living in the Holy of Holies. And now it's traveling around in a UFO question mark. But that's, what's interesting to me is I actually agree with Michael Heiser's take on this, that this is a representation of the throne room saying that God's dominion is not beholden to this yeah, one room. In Israel. Place. I, I totally agree with and understand that. I don't think that it negates the idea that there are physical chariots in the sky crafts, whatever you want to call them that we've seen throughout time that they are linked in some way. Yeah. Um, I, I think that denying the physicality of, of angels is kind of silly because you have to like edit out certain parts of the Bible to do it. You do. That's my point. I think there's, there's but a I also lot. Agree that, I also agree that the whole ancient aliens crowd are totally using this in the worst possible way. Yeah. Trying to make it like, oh, Ezekiel just saw aliens and just claimed it was God or something. I know when I read this and I read it several times growing up, I was like, that's weird. And then completely deleted it from my mind because I had no framework of any, you know. Nana C says, I don't remember seeing Ezekiel's scroll on Taco Bell's menu. <laughs> it's the, it's on the secret menu. You got a secret menu. Okay. Yeah. You got to just walk up to the counter and confidently ask for Ezekiel's scroll. And then if they pretend like they don't have it, you were like, no, dude, I know. Yeah. I know you, you, ever, you ever get that person. You ever get that person that's so new. They don't know about the secret menu and you're like, yeah. dude, I, come on. I come here all the time and order up the secret menu. Like get, get somebody who knows. Let's get someone who can do their job. Yeah. Yeah. 
Because I want the meat mountain at Arby's, okay? <laughs> I want the meat Normus at Burger King. <laughs> oh, <Anyway>. man. <laughs> uh, okay. And, okay. And he said to me, son of man, go to the house of Israel and speak with... Okay, wait a second. This time, the scroll just is honey. It's not bitter in his stomach. In Revelation, it's sweet in his mouth and bitter in his stomach. But this, it's just sweet. Right. Right. I, I wasn't saying it was the same in this, just to say that we also saw that imagery in Revelation. But it's interesting, because Revelation, the prophecy is of the end. And and mm-hmm. so it's sweet and it's bitter. But this is yeah. just prophecy in the middle. So it's it's sweet, even though he's in Israel's exile. Because going to get their country back. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. Yeah. And he said to me, son of man, go to the house of Israel and speak with my words to them. For you are not sent to a people of foreign speech and a hard language, but to the house of Israel, not to many peoples of foreign speech and a hard language whose words you cannot understand. Surely if I sent you to such, they would listen to you. <laughs> but, the, <laughs> uh, but the house of Israel will not be willing to listen to you for they are not willing to listen to me because all the house of Israel have a hard forehead and a stubborn heart. Behold, I have made your face as hard as their faces and your forehead as hard as their foreheads. Like emery harder than flint have I made your forehead. Fear them not, nor be dismayed at their looks, for they are a rebellious house. I think this is like the Hebrew idiom way of saying, I'm going to give you a really thick skin because I'm sending you to a bunch of people who do not give a shit about what you're going to be talking to them about. Yeah. Bunch of hard-headed idiots. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to make your, you hard enough to, to do this, basically. Yep. Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, all my words that I shall speak to you, receive in your heart and hear with your ears and go to the exiles, to your people, and speak to them and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, whether they hear or refuse to hear. Then the spirit lifted me up and I heard behind me the voice of a great earthquake. Blessed be the glory of the Lord from this, from its place. It was the sound of the wings of the living creatures as they touched one another and the sound of the wheels beside them and the sound of a great earthquake. The spirit lifted me up and took me away and I went in bitterness in the heat of my spirit, the hand of the Lord being strong upon me. And I came to the exiles at Tel Abib who were dwelling by the Cheber canal and I sat where they were dwelling and I sat there overwhelmed among them seven days. <laughs> little, little, a little overwhelmed. Yeah, this is a guy who just, this is a guy who just saw a UFO and ate a piece of paper and got given a mission from God. Yeah, so, and then he's like, dude, <laughs> I'm just gonna sit my by favorite, this canal for a bit. My favorite part about Ezekiel is he does, for the rest of the book, act like someone who had been abducted at some point in their past. Yeah, you know what I mean. He's he's Randy Quaid in Independence Day for the yeah. rest of the book. It's pretty great. The, uh, the interesting thing about this is like, this is an alien abduction, but it's not, but we are nowhere near saying that all alien abductions are God giving you a mission by any means. It seems like there is a shared technology among these beings that the bad guys also use. Exactly. Um, I so also love Watchmen. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. I also love and it we're, it's going to continue doing it. It's going to I think explain why. But how many times God's like I'm sending you as a messenger to this people. They're not going to listen to you. But then you like that begs the question like why? What's the, yeah. what's the point? 
<laughs> so we so we can read it and talk about UFOs two thousand five hundred years later. Poor Ezekiel. Just but yeah. but the amount like I think the links I think God just wanted to be a past reproach here. Like I told you and I told you and I told you and I told you well, when I absolutely know knew you weren't listening anymore, but I still kept telling you so you can't pretend like I didn't. How many times you. are how many times are we called specifically you and me called to do exactly what Ezekiel's doing right here, which is like, you're going to say something. People aren't going to listen and they're, <laughs> it's not going to make no difference. But then later on, people will call you and be like, Hey, how'd you know that was going to happen? Yeah. <laughs> like, how did you, how did you know? Now I know that you actually like are not crazy. You know what I mean? And I think yeah. this is God saying like, Hey, they're not going to listen to you, but I'm going to prove uh, that my word is true. Yeah. Through you. Yeah. I, I like that a lot. I love how this is apropos of nothing, but our last episode was QAnon. Quanon. Our last episode Quanon. was Quanon. Yeah, yeah. And I was of the impression there were like barely any Quanoners out there, at least not anymore. Like I'd met one in my entire life. Oh, you were life. under that impression? <laughs> I, was I was under that under impression. Because <laughs> I hadn't even run into them on Twitter, you know? And, oh, okay. And uh, I ran into them a lot on TikTok and Instagram. Uh, well, we got yeah, a lot of them in the out. comments on Rumble, and I was like, oh, <laughs> they do exist. <laughs> Fun. <laughs> also, our video got taken down off of YouTube. So yeah. um, I just, it was funny because I was like, all week, I'm like, we're going to have a video taken down soon. It's going to happen. We're just, we're, we're we don't care. <laughs> it's and tough. then it happened, and it was weird because it's the first time I've been creating content for, I don't know, three, four, five, well, long time. I started creating YouTube content over 10 years ago. Yeah. But spark, you know, different times. And this is the first time I had a video taken down and didn't care even a little bit. Not a little bit. I was like, oh, okay. Did we get a strike or did they just take it down? They just took it down. We I guess they don't care if we're not monetized, right? Like, what's the, what's the strike for? <laughs> well, it's just funny because I was thinking to myself, like, this is how they like normally, even if you're being bold, you're like, oh, that that hurt. I'm going to I'm going to tone it right. back. I'm going to change. And we've so thoroughly detached ourselves from giving a crap about YouTube and the monetization yeah. <laughs> and, and the audience. Our, our rumble audience is so much bigger than our YouTube audience uh, that I don't care. Like they could take our YouTube channel down entirely and I wouldn't I wouldn't really miss it. So yeah, no, sorry. I, for, sorry for you people watching on YouTube, but you really should just come over to rumble because we, we, we're not gonna, <laughs> we're not going to stop saying what we're saying and eventually our YouTube's going to get deleted. That's what I'm that's what a hundred percent. All the best yeah. episodes are going to be gone. And and I know some of you still have trouble with Rumble. I think every week, every month, Rumble gets better. They're actively building and working, <clears throat> getting more revenue to do more work with. So like, think about YouTube in two thousand nine and realize that's where Rumble's at right now. Yeah, and <laughs> they they will get better. They have. Yeah. They've a- we've been on Rumble for a year. They have actively gotten incredibly so much better in the yes. last year. Yes, it's slow. I get it, but it, it's it's only going to get better if we support it. I think so support free speech support us on rumble where we're not screwed over where you can see all of our episodes. Yeah. Anyway, let's, um, let's continue with the reading. Oh, also Jack says a really good comment. He says because uh, the next part is a watchman for Israel yeah. and he says uh, the watchman's duty is to warn the people regardless of their reaction. Mm-hmm. And that's perfect. Yeah. And at the end of the seven days, the word of the Lord came to me. So he sits there overwhelmed seven days and God's like, all right, buddy, uh, come on, do something. <laughs> God pokes him with a stick. Yeah. Why is he doing the thing? <laughs> I want to. It seems like a lot of these callings of these prophets. 
at least Isaiah also has a throne room visit first. Do others have throne room visits? I want to like compare this. John. John. Revelation. But it seems like there's, it's like, I have to give it to you full in the face. And then afterward, Mm -hmm. I can speak to you really clearly. I don't have to, like he opens a channel to them almost. And, and everybody that visits the throne, the throne room, Isaiah, John and, Mm -hmm. and Ezekiel, as far as I know, I don't think there's others that I can think of. They all start like you can tell that they're seeing things that are so far beyond this world. Yeah. That they're just like, I, I'm going to try to describe it to you, but it's going to sound weird, dude. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it does. It very much does. Uh, and at the end of the seven days. Hmm? Oh, okay. Uh, son of man, the Lord, Lord came to me. Uh, the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them a warning from me. If I say to the wicked, you shall surely die. And you give him no warning nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way in order to save his life. That wicked person shall die for his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. But if you warn the wicked and he does not turn from his wickedness or from his wicked way, he shall die for his iniquity, but you will have delivered your soul. Again, if a righteous person turns from his righteousness and commits injustice and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die because you have not warned him. He shall die for his sin and his righteous deeds that he has done shall not be remembered, but his blood I will require at your hand. So he's saying, look, there are good people who mess up and those mm-hmm. are the people you're here to talk to, right? You're, you're, it's your job to warn those people who their heart is to do the right thing, but something's tripping them up. Something's confusing them. They're getting taken in by Project Bluebeam or something like that. And, and your job is to warn those people. Jack's actually said that also in the chat. He said, if he war- never warned them, even though he was the watchman, the prophet, then their sins would be upon him. And that is what exactly yeah, God is saying. Exactly. Like, this what is. It, <clears throat> I think a, we have a responsibility as Christians that if you know, you have to speak as if you know. Yeah. You have to. You have to tell people. Uh, yeah, a lot of people are like, oh, I'm just going to mind my own business. And, you know, people just we, can we hear this, make their own mistakes. And We hear this a lot from uh, from other podcasters that we know are Christians that'll be like, well, you know, this is I'll let them think what they want to think. And I'll think what I want to think. And I won't say it. And I'm like, you have a responsibility to say it. Yeah. I, I think I, per, I well, not I think it's it's in the Bible so many times. So yeah. um, I know when we started the show, we we're kind of like you know, this is what we think. I don't know. And then it was just like, ah, screw that. I can't be that person. I'm going to say what I know is true. Yeah. And that's just, that's just, and then it's up to you guys to test it, right? Like the Bible is really clear. You test a prophet by, by a, whether or not their prophecies come true and B, like if it lines up with what God's already said and what God's told you and, and that. So yeah, there's like room there for us to be wrong. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, <laughs> it, I, I, but I like that, right? God doesn't say when I send you a prophet, don't question them. No, he says, test them. <clears throat> he says it about prophets and spirits. He says, test yeah. every spirit, test yeah. every spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. But uh, if verse you, 22, yeah, right. Mm, or did you, but if you warn the righteous person uh, okay. not to sin and he does not sin, he shall surely live because he took warning and you will have delivered your soul. And the hand of the Lord was upon me there. And he said to me, arise, go out into the 
<laughs> Valley. <laughs> that was a long page flip. <laughs> you know those like really, really skinny Bible pages that sometimes yeah. get stuck? Go out into the valley and there I will speak with you. So I arose and went out into the valley and behold, the glory of the Lord stood there like the glory I had seen by the Cheber Canal and I fell on my face. Again, he's not saying God was standing there. He was saying the glory of the Lord stood there. It's almost mm-hmm. like he's saying his hologram was there. Some, some. You could read it as the Holy Spirit too, yeah. I think, but yeah. yeah. Not, not his, not every, everything, just this, this piece of him. Well, it's just like with with uh, Moses. He's like, yeah, yeah, cover your face because you literally can't handle seeing me. Yeah. Uh, and so God will send messengers. He'll send uh, the angel of God, Jesus. He'll send the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but he doesn't appear in physical form in front of people. So, yeah, yeah it is saying, and that's why I think the, the distinction is there, the glory of the Lord. Yeah. Uh, I want to say, that I wa- really quick, I want to go back and just make one more point about the thing we were talking about. Yeah. I think this is so important, and I think it's something we're going to be talking about next week for sure and in some future episodes that we got coming up. And it's just a repeated thing that keeps coming back to me is you, when you're a leader, when you're a teacher, you have added responsibilities. This is just said over and over and over again in the Bible. Uh, And this is a thing that I think is so important is there's times where we will criticize people who are leading and people will be like, well, they're doing a good thing. And does it matter that they're, you know, kind of gross in this and this and this way? I'm like, it, yes, it, it really, really, really does yeah. because they are called to a higher calling than you. They, they, they are. It's just truth. If you are going to be a leader, if you're going to be a teacher, if you're going to be a pastor, a preacher, a prophet, you are called to live a certain way. You're called, yeah. you're called to be above reproach. Uh, and that's why... It really, really, really matters. There's some really gross people that have done some really great work and it matters that they're gross yeah, because they were called to be better yeah. and they weren't. And it mattered that and they were that, better because it, it, it diminishes their message. And the people they led astray by, by that are on their, on, are on their head. Yeah. It's held against them. It's held against Ezekiel. If he's, if he doesn't live up to what God's calling him to, it's held against him. It's held against teachers. It's held against leaders. So there is a higher calling for leaders. I don't think we have, I don't, this whole idea that we judge everybody the same is not <laughs> true. It's not biblical. Yeah. Uh, some people are called to, to, to higher calling and uh, some people are sheep and they're meant to be led and they're going to make m- more mistakes and they're going to have more grace. Uh, and that's entirely biblical. And it's just stated again here in Ezekiel. And I just, I think it's important because again, some of the things we're going to be talking about uh, coming up. So anyway, yeah. continue. Um. No, I'm, I'm of the opinion that the better your work is, the more important your work is, the more important it is that you aren't gross. Like th- that you are fighting for a good cause is not an excuse for being mm-hmm. gross. It's Jax like is on fire tonight. He says it's the parable of talents. How, yeah. much, how much is given you much is much expected. Is expected. Yep. That's a really mm-hmm. good way to put it. Yep. Um, okay. So I arose and went out into the valley and behold, the glory of the Lord stood there like the glory that I had seen by the Cheber canal and I fell on my face, but the spirit entered into me and set me on my feet. And he spoke with me and said to me, go shut yourself within your house and you, O son of man, behold, cords will be placed on you and you shall be bound with them so that you cannot go out among the people. And I will make your tongue cling to the roof of your mouth so that you shall be mute and unable to reprove them for they are a rebellious house 
But when I speak with you, I will open your mouth and you shall say to them, thus says the Lord God, he who will hear, let him hear. and He who will refuse to hear, let him refuse for they are a rebellious house. This speaks to so much of what we were going through <laughs> yeah. this week. Yeah. You're not going to be able <laughs> no, to speak for, until I tell you. <laughs> it's so true. There have been times in my life where I was so frustrated. I'm like, God, why are you holding me down? Why, why did you make it impossible for me to do what I thought I was called to do? Mm. And God's like, no, you're not supposed to do it yet. Like, wait, yeah. shut up and wait. <laughs> and it's so funny that he's like with Ezekiel, I'm going to tie you down and make you unable to speak Yeah, until I, until the right time. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a good lesson to be learned. Sometimes in your life, you'll be like, I, God, I just want to serve you. I just want to do this thing. Why are you making it impossible for me? Hmm. It's not your time. God's timing is better than your timing. Yeah. And, and he's saying that to Ezekiel. Anyway, keep going. Um, and you, son of man, take a brick and lay it before you and engrave on it a city, even Jerusalem, and put siege works against it and build a siege wall against it and cast up a mound against it, set camps also against it and plant battering rams against it all around. God says, build Lego Jerusalem getting I was besieged. <laughs> don't talk. Don't move. Play with Legos. <laughs> this guy's story just keeps getting weirder. I love it. Ezekiel is autistic. Confirmed. <laughs> he really is. The autistic prophet. I love it. <laughs> Maybe we should change it from the weird prophet to the autistic prophet. I was... Um. <laughs> Side note, I was looking through. So if you guys don't know, on Wednesday, we are doing the season two finale of Conspiracy Build. We're going to be going through and talking about updates to all the stories we've covered in the last six months. And I was also going through and trying to pick like best comments from episodes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember which episode it was on. It was maybe Taylor Swift or something. I was reading through the comments and it was like, you guys use the R word a lot. <laughs> and uh, maybe don't do that. <laughs> So I think I think start I think if we've put autistic prophet in our <laughs> in our title, I think that person will be very upset with us because we use the the word retarded a lot. I remember yeah, I remember that because I was like they were like, please stop using the the R word. And I was that's like, no. That's retarded. No, we're not. We're not gonna stop doing that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like when people say don't say gay, but how do you describe a fanny pack? Exactly. <laughs> the word retarded was the PC word. <clears throat> like they were like, it you literally can't, was. You can't call people idiots anymore because that was the old word for yeah that. And and then they're like, we're going to call them retarded because it, it's a word that means slowed or sl- like slowed down, right? Retarded. Yeah. And 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 now people are are telling us that we can't say the PC word because it, this it's, happens. This is what people don't understand is as soon as you accept the PC word, that word will become offensive once yeah. everybody realizes it means the same thing. Exactly. Why do you think it's people of color now instead of colored people? Colored people was the pr- preferred yeah. way to say it. It was colored point. people and then it was black and now it's people of color. Well, They're going to keep colored people, it. black, African-American, and now yeah. it's people of color, which is all the way yeah. back to colored people. Yeah, exactly. It's the same word. Exactly. It's going to be offensive in two years. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, keep going. Differently abled. <laughs> retarded it's it's the same picture so anyways the same yeah now that we've made our case <laughs> um, <laughs> back to the legos and you take an iron griddle and place it as an iron wall between you and the city and set your face toward it and let it be a statue let it be in a state of siege sorry and press the siege against it this is a sign for the house of israel 
Then lie on your left side and place the punishment of the house of Israel upon it. For the number of the days that you lie on it, you shall bear their punishment. For I assign to you a number of days, 390 days, equal to the number of the years of their punishment. So long shall you bear the punishment of the house of Israel. And when you have completed these, you shall lie down a second time, but on your right side and bear the punishment of the house of Judah. Forty days I assign you a day for each year. And you shall set your face toward the siege of Jerusalem with your arm bared, and you shall prophesy against the city. And behold, I will place cords upon you so that you cannot turn from one side to the other till you have completed the days of your siege. And you take wheat and barley, beans and lentils, millet and emmer, and put them into a single vessel and make your bread from them. During the number of days that you lie on your side, 390 days, you shall eat it. And your food that you shall eat shall be by weight, 20 shekels a day. From day to day, you shall eat it. The cool part about this bread is that these, uh, how many beans is it? It's wheat, barley, beans, lentils, millet, and emmer. And Mm -hmm. together they make a complete protein. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. That is um, actually. Yeah. The nutrition of this diet is actually quite good. (laughs) (laughs) This is my favorite thing about reading the Old Testament is you'll find times where it's like God told them to do some weird stuff and then science catches up 2000 years later and you're like, like, oh, yeah, no, God knows what he's talking about. Yeah. (laughs) Like people are like, why am I? Why am I quarantining over over mold? And it's like, because it'll kill you. Yeah. Because because yeah. it'll get in your lungs and kill you. <laughs> but people back then thought it was weird. It's yeah. like it's just mold. Yeah. Anyway, and it gets water, better. This gets better, guys. <laughs> and just water wait. you shall drink by measure the sixth part of a hin. From day to day you shall drink and you shall eat it as a barley cake, baking it in their sight on human dung. And the Lord said, "Thus what, shall the." Hold on, hold on, hold on. God says, "Lay on your side for over a year." Yeah. Eat this. Bread out of a vessel, yeah. That's cooked over human sh- human poop, human shit, yeah, human shit, yeah. And like, the Lord said, "Thus shall the people of Israel eat their bread unclean among the nations where I will drive them." And then I said, "This is okay." He has not complained yet, <laughs> right? He's not, not complaining yet. about the lying I, I down. Think I would have complained a little bit about the dung, the dung food. Yeah, yeah, but he he didn't complain about the lying down for a year thing. He says, and then I said, oh, Lord God, behold, I have never defiled myself from my youth up till now. I have never eaten what died of itself or was torn by beasts, nor has tainted meat come into my mouth. So he's like, I have kept the law my entire <coughs> life. And you were right. asking me to break the law that you gave me. Then he said to me, see, I assign to you cow's dung <laughs> instead of human dung on which you may prepare your bread. I think... <laughs> <laughs> Let me finish the chapter. He's we like, can talk ha, about it. Yeah, we'll talk about it. <laughs> Moreover, he said to me, son of man, behold, I will break the supply of bread in Jerusalem. They shall eat bread by weight and with anxiety, and they shall drink water by measure and in dismay. I will do this that they may lack bread and water and look at one another in dismay and rot away because of their punishment. I have, I have a couple questions about this because this isn't the first time Jeremiah has, has some weird stuff like this. I think Isaiah does too, but at least Jeremiah does um, where it's like, why did God need his prophet to go through such a horrible thing to paint this picture? Mm -hmm. Like why, why can't he just say it? (sighs) Is it just a question of like, 
he, they're he's so the first. Yeah. He, he's God's performance artist. That's <laughs> what he is. Is it one of those things where it's like, I need there. The only way anyone is going to believe this at all is if this person is hardcore committed to the bit. Like, yeah, no one you picture, picture someone being like, look, I know he's a little crazy, but like no one lies on their side for a year eating bread out of a pot without, you know, maybe we should listen and, to him. And, and he's a committed. meager amount of bread. I'm, I'm pretty sure 20 yeah. shekels of bread is very small because it's supposed to represent what a city would <coughs> have to eat under siege. Mm-hmm. That's the whole point of it, right? It's like, this yeah. is, this is you under siege. You're going to eat meager provisions. It's not going to taste good. It's not going to have any flavor. And the only way you can get fuel because you can't leave your city to cut down trees is to cook yeah. it over dung, which yeah. was a thing that would happen in those times under siege. They would use cow dung, but they would uh, dry it and, and cook over it because that's the only way they could start fires. Yeah. Yeah. I he's, mean, he's, Shia this- LaBeouf. <laughs> he's Shia LaBeouf when he just stood there for 24 hours and let anybody do anything they wanted to him. He's a performance artist at this point. Um, I didn't Marina Abramovich that too. Maybe she did it first. Yeah. Um, okay. She, she did it a little differently. She put items on a table. Okay. Yeah. Like a knife and a gun and yeah. And, and Shia was and just like, you could do whatever Shia you want, but I'm not going to do whatever you, you want. Ideas. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to give you any ideas. Okay. Um, keep going. Sure. I would say this though. You did make the point with Marina Abramovich that she was like as evil as that woman is. It made a, a point about society. And yeah. I think that I, I literally do think this is performance art and I think it was done on purpose. So yeah, let's just hope that God doesn't call anybody to do like uh, uh, what's that beat poetry slam poetry. Slam let's just poetry. hope that God never calls anybody to do slam poetry. It's going to be you PJ. Just Gosh, calling right now. <laughs> and you oh son of man take a sharp sword. Use it as a barber's razor and pass it over your head and your beard. Then take balances for weighing and divide the hair. A third part you shall burn in the fire in the midst of the city when the days of the siege are completed. And a third part you shall take and strike with a sword all around the city. And a third part you shall scatter to the wind and I will unsheath the sword after them. And you shall take from these a small number and bind them in the skirts of your robe. And of these again, you shall take some and cast them into the midst of the fire and burn them in the fire. From there, a fire will come out into all the house of Israel. I'm just imagining him walking around, setting down piles of hair and smashing it with a sword. Well, like picture this, like this is after he's been laying down. He's been laying down for over a year and people are like, what the heck? And then he gets up one day and he cuts all his hair off with a sword and starts (laughs) running around the city, burning some of it, smashing, slashing some of it with a sword. Like, yeah, imagine because I'm sure he has people's attention. He has people's attention, Mm -hmm. right? They're, maybe they're not listening I'd to them. I'd hope so. I'd hope so. You'd at think this point. so. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I'm, ass- I'm assuming so. He has my is, attention. <laughs> thus is the Lord God. This is Jerusalem. I have set her in the heart of the nations with countries all around her, and she has rebelled against my rules by doing wickedness more than the nations and against my statutes more than the countries all around her, for they have rejected my rules and have not walked in my statutes. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you are more turbulent than the nations that are around you and have not walked in my statutes or obeyed my rules and have not even acted according to the rules of the nations that are around you. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, behold, I, even I am against you. So he's not just, he's, (laughs) 
not only have you not followed the law that I gave you, like the higher standard than any, any other nation, the one I gave you, not only that, but you're actually worse than everybody. <laughs> yeah. Right. He's like, e- even, even these pagans are like at least following some rules. They're, they're at least worshiping their fa- false yeah. demonic gods. Yeah. Uh, and he, yeah, you can't worship me, the one true God. So like, that's pretty bad. <laughs> And I will execute judgments in your midst in the sight of the nations. And because of all your abominations, I will do with you what I have never yet done and the like of which I will never do again. Therefore, fathers shall eat their sons in your midst and sons shall eat their fathers. And I will execute judgments on you and any of you who, who survive. I will scatter to all the winds. Therefore, as I live, declares the Lord God, surely because you have defiled my sanctuary with all your detestable things and with all your abominations, therefore, I will, I will withdraw my I will not spare and I will have no pity. A third part of you shall die of pestilence and be consumed with famine in your midst. A third part shall fall by the sword all around you. And a third part I will scatter to all the winds and will unsheath the sword after them. Thus shall my anger spend itself and I will vent my fury upon them and satisfy myself and they shall know that I am the Lord that I have spoken in my jealousy when I spend my fury upon them. Moreover, I will make you a desolation and an object of reproach among the nations all around and in the sight of all who pass by, you shall be a reproach and a taunt, a warning and a horror to, to the nations all around you when judgments on anger and fury and with furious rebukes, I am the Lord. I have spoken when I send against you the deadly arrows of famine, arrows for destruction, which I will send to destroy you. And when I bring more and more famine upon you and break your supply of bread, I will send famine and wild beasts against you and they will rob you of your children. Pestilence and blood shall pass through you and I will bring the sword upon you. I am the Lord. I have spoken. I think, I think he's mad. I think he's mad. (laughs) I think he's a little mad. It's actually like, it feels like he's beyond mad. He's like, look, yeah, we're done. I, I don't know we're why finished. this stuck out. I don't know why this stood out to me. Maybe it's because you made me read that stupid novel that we're going to talk about on Wednesday. <laughs> no, the chat made me read it. You guys are the worst. You're all canceled. The worst. Uh, the, the worst. <laughs> no, there's, there's certain things. I feel like we get told a lot, like, you know, God is this one aspect. God is love. He's always love and he's always kind. He's always this. and He's always that. And that is an aspect of God. I think it's, I think it's kind of simple, simplistic and dumb to assume that like certain emotions that we equate negatively are always bad, righteous anger. And in this case, jealousy. And I find this interesting because I feel like I've heard people say, Oh, you know, my husband is jealous of me doing this and that and the other. And it's like, there is certain amounts of jealousy that are correct uh, and right to have. And I think God kind of shows us that here. So like, I, I don't know why I want to make that point, but it just feels like there's really simplistic ways of looking at God. And I think that's why some people don't like the old Testament is they don't understand righteous anger. They don't understand righteous jealousy, uh, righteous vengeance, things like that uh, make people a little uncomfortable, but I don't know. There's like a hippie. There's like a hippie Jesus that gets pushed on us on social media. This socialist hippie Jesus. That's just not. uh, It's kind of funny. I used to be, I used to be more uncomfortable with the judgmental God, the, the really angry judgmental God. And now I'm like looking around at elites with pedophile islands and I'm like, no, I'm, I'm happy. Righteous anger, righteous anger, righteous vengeance. Yeah. 
the God who's like, actually we're done like too far. I'm, I'm burning it to the ground. You know, he only does that when people absolutely deserve it. And you know that if you were there at that time, you would be like, yeah, no, they deserve it. People will get big mad about the the millstone comments are like, oh, that's really gross. And I'm like, mm, no, I think it's I think it's justified. I think it's justified. I think if you lure children to an island to rape them, you should be actually literally drowned with a millstone. Like that's not figure of speech in my mind. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That would be that would be appropriate. Um, oh, I like this. Ryan says he will not divide us, but instead of Trump, it's Satan. <laughs> so imagine Ezekiel standing in the city square, burning hair, slashing at hair in the wind with a sword. He will not. Div- how did he? How did he-, <laughs> he will not divide us. I don't know. Do you, you watch that? The any of the Shia LaBeouf, he will not divide us like 24 hour live stream. <laughs> I, if you don't I know don't. the context, he stood, he, he, he live streamed himself shouting. He will not divide us about Trump for like a long, long, long time. Wow. Uh, Shia is like a real normal, a real normal guy. <laughs> Shia might be the modern day. Ezekiel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting to see the connection. So now look, <sighs> if they ever make a movie about Ezekiel, I want Shia LaBeouf cast 100%. Somebody make it happen. Daily Wire. Daily Anyone Wire. From the Daily Wire. Watch Cast show? Shia. <laughs> Cast Shia LaBeouf as Ezekiel. Make it happen. Anyway, keep going. I don't know. I don't think the world is ready. Angel Studios. Angel Studios. Shia LaBeouf. Uh, the Ezekiel story. Let's. um. Yeah, let's move on. <laughs> uh, the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, set your face toward the mountains of Israel and prophesy against them and say, you mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord God. Thus says the Lord God to the mountains and hills, to the ravines and the valleys. Behold, I, even I will bring a sword upon you. I will destroy your high places. Your altar shall become desolate and your incense altar shall be broken. And I will cast down your slain before your idols. (laughs) I'm going to drop your bodies at the feet of the idols you've been worshiping in front of me <laughs> instead of me. <laughs> I mean, this is yeah. savage as fuck, but yeah. And I will scatter your bones around your altars. Wherever you dwell, the cities will shall be waste and the high places ruined so that your altars will be waste and ruined. Your idols broken and destroyed. Your incense altars cut down and your works wiped out and the slain shall fall in your midst and you shall know that I am the Lord. This is another one of those millstone moments where there's a little context here that people need to understand. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I forgot to put the verses on the screen. A little context you need to understand. A lot of the idol worship involved literally burning your own children alive in fire pits. Yeah. So when God says, I'm going to cast your bones in front of the idols that you cast your children's bones in front of. Yeah. Let's see what your idols do for you. I feel like that's another one of those just punishments that out of context sounds a little harsh. And then you're like, oh, no, these are people who literally committed genocide against toddlers like this is why I have such a problem when when preachers are like you know what your idol might be your idol might be TV you you might watch too much TV. no idolatry was when you served a false god that was a real being that asked real evil things from you in worship of it anything Mm -hmm. from like when you look when you look like the Bible will say it quietly hint at it in the corners but like if you look at his history it's like yeah all the craziest 
weird sex stuff imaginable, all sorts of child sacrifice, all sorts of horrific things to be doing to other human beings in service of these gods. And it sounds like there's like idols and high places everywhere in Israel at this point, like on every hill. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and again, this idol worship was as detestable as today. We just cloak it in the name of science and, and we try to make ourselves look better. Yeah. Uh, but I think, uh, what is it at this point? A million, almost babies a year. Yeah. Abortion <clears throat> is child sacrifice. God's going to have, God's going to have a harsh judgment for America is my point. It is explicitly like the way that abortion is marketed. It is kill your child and you will be, you will have prosperity. It is literally sacrificing your child to at the altar of the prosperity. God Baal. it's, yeah. it's Baal. It is no. literally ball worship. Yeah. Or, and in some cases, Gaia worship. There's people who choose to sacrifice their children for climate change. Yeah. For mother, yeah. for mother earth. It's like kill, kill your kids for the rain gods. I can't believe those savages. It's like you're, yeah. you're doing it. Yeah. Uh, to the tune of a million a year. And then the Asherah worship is all the weird sex stuff that makes more babies to do more sacrifices. It's just that's that's that woman who goes in and has five or six or seven abortions so yeah. she can sleep, keep uh, sleeping around. That's astral yeah. worship. Yeah, and I mean it literally. I know some people are like, well, it's akin yeah. to it. I'm like, no, it no, literally it is. is. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Okay. Yet I will leave some of you alive when you have among the nations some who escape the sword, and when you are scattered through the countries, then those of you who escape will remember me among the nations where they are carried captive, how I have been broken over their whoring heart that has departed from me and over their eyes that go whoring after their idols. And they will be loathsome in their sight for the evils that they have committed for all their abominations. And they shall know that I am the Lord. I have not said in vain that I would do this evil to them. And to be clear about this, like from the beginning of the foundation of the nation, even when you see like the blessings and curses uh, as they enter Israel in Deuteronomy, God's like, look, if you follow the law, you will be blessed in all these incredible ways. And if you don't, you will be cursed in all these incredible ways. And he basically makes this covenant and agreement with the entire nation of Israel. Like, look, here's the expectation. Do this and I will make you rich. I will make you prosperous. I, w- I will do all that. I will just pour it out on you. But if yeah. you don't, I'm I'm going <laughs> to... It's going to be real I wanna, bad. I want to address some comments in the chat really quick. So, Absolutely. Uh, Jack says uh, that uh, I think fanatics consumerism can get into idolatry territory. Hundred percent. I think that's also ball worship. The, the worship or, or um, mammon worship, the worship mm-hmm. of of money and things. Uh, and then Nana C says anything that takes your focus off God is idolatry. I think the point that Abby's trying to make is that we've watered this whole thing down so much mm-hmm. to be like idolatry is just having a little bit less attention on God. And I think it ignores the actual spiritual warfare aspect of this whole thing. That when you are giving to things above God and giving, sacrificing your time and your money and your literal own children, your children, uh, your relationships, your your relationships, spouse, your it's quite literally idol worship. Not as in a figurative. Well, maybe I'm you know not giving God enough of my attention. I watch a little bit too much football on Sundays. I, I think it's I think it's watering down what the sin at its root is. Right, right. Yeah, it's it's. I think it's more a question of like oh, what dog. what important thing, what good important thing in your life have you sacrificed for this God, and that's that's where you start to. It, it's not looking at it too long. It's sacrificing mm-hmm. things to it, right? Right. 
Yeah. And then the level of worship is how much you're sacrificing to it. Yes. Um, okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. My the, dog is like freaking <laughs> licking my arms. Oh, away. Um, the number of times he says, and you will know that I am the Lord and you will know that mm-hmm. I am the Lord. I, the, the whole point of this is like, <clears throat> I'm going to do all this stuff and there's going to be no question in their mind. I'm God. Right. Um, thus says the Lord God, clap your hands and stamp your foot and say, alas, because of all the evil abominations of the house of Israel, for they shall fall by the sword, by famine and by pestilence. He who is far off shall die of pestilence and he who is near shall fall by the sword and he who is left and is preserved shall die of famine. Thus I will spend my fury upon them and you shall know that I am the Lord when their slain lie among their idols around their altars on every high hill on all the mountaintops under every green tree and under every leafy oak wherever they offered pleasing aroma to all their idols and I will stretch out my hand against them and make the land desolate and waste in all their dwelling places from the wilderness to Ribla then you will know that I am the Lord. Right. It, it, you know, this, this right here, it's literally just saying these are the places, the altars, the, the high hills, the mountaintops, everywhere are these altars. And again, I feel like this is one of those things that we disguise and we, we call it something else. We, we're, very con- we're very good at rebranding uh, idol worship and rebranding altars and temples. Uh, if, you, if you look at what the uh, altars and temples to Ishtar were, they were prostitution houses. So we've just rebranded it as Pornhub. We've rebranded it as yeah. strip clubs. They're still places of literal idol worship. Yeah. Um, they were they were prostitution. It was child prostitution. <clears throat> it was same mm-hmm. sex child prostitution. There was there was a lot of bad stuff going on. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Chapter seven. Let's do one more chapter because okay. uh, I got some stuff I got to do tonight, and we don't want to keep this too long. But we are going to continue. Yeah. OnlyFans. There we go. That's another. Uh, disgusting temple of Ishtar. Yes. Uh, yeah, we'll do one more and then we'll be doing this again in two weeks. If nothing comes up and uh, we got our season two finale on Wednesday, there's not going to be a show next week on Wednesday. We're going to take some time off to do some things, uh, but there will be an unhinged this week and next week. I got to make up for the one that we missed last week. So uh, just letting you guys know what's coming up, but let's, let's read chapter seven. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, brother. The word of the Lord came to me. And you, O son of man, thus says the Lord God to the land of Israel, an end. The end has come upon the four corners of the land. Now the end is upon you, and I will send my anger upon you. I will judge you according to your ways, and I will punish you for all your abominations. And my eye will not spare you, nor will I have pity, but I will punish you for your ways while your abominations are in your midst. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, disaster after disaster, behold, it comes. An end has come. The end has come. It has awakened against you. Behold, it comes. Your doom has come to you, O inhabitant of the land. The time has come. The day is near, a day of tumult and not of joyful shouting on the mountains. Now I will soon pour out my wrath upon you and spend my anger against you and judge you according to your ways, and I will punish you for all your abominations. And my eye will not spare, nor will I have pity. I will punish you according to your ways while your abominations are in your midst. Then you will know that I am the Lord who strikes." Behold the day, behold it comes, your doom has come, the rod has blossomed, pride has budded, violence has grown up into a rod of wickedness. 
None of them shall remain, nor their abundance, nor their wealth, neither shall there be preeminence among them. So like everyone's going to be equal by the end of this. Like none of the rich aren't going to get it any worse than the poor. They're all getting it. Yeah. The time has come. The day has arrived. Let not the buyer rejoice nor the seller mourn for wrath is upon all their multitude for the seller shall not return to what he has sold while they live for the visions vision concerns all their multitude. It shall not turn back. And because of his iniquity, none can maintain his life. They have blown the trumpet and made everything ready, but none goes to battle for my wrath is upon all their multitude. The sword is without pestilence and famine are within. He was in the field and him who any famine and pestilence devour. And if any survivors escape, they will be on the mountains like doves of the valley, all of them moaning each one over his iniquity. All hands are feeble and all knees turn to water. They put on sackcloth and horror covers them. Shame is on all faces and baldness on all their heads. They cast their silver into the streets and their gold is like an unclean thing. Their silver and gold are not able to deliver them in the day of the wrath of the Lord. They cannot satisfy their hunger or fill their stomachs with it. For it was a it was the stumbling block of their iniquity. The silver and gold was the stumbling mm-hmm. block. His beautiful ornament they used for pride and they made their abominable images and their detestable things of it. Therefore, I make it an unclean thing to them. And I will give it into the hands of foreigners for prey and to the wicked of the earth for spoil and they shall profane it. I will turn my face from them and they shall profane my treasured place. Robbers shall enter and profane it. So this is talking about the temple now. <clears throat> yes. So he's, he's likewise saying the same thing that Daniel's saying, that they are mm. going to come in and they're going to destroy the Holy of Holies and mm-hmm. they are going to commit abominations in this place. <clears throat> and again, like if... It, it, if the the symbolism is there in the beginning that God's God has left the Holy of Holies and followed Israel where they went mm-hmm. to give them their judgment, I, I feel like it, it kind of uh, is a, a reference back to that in a way to, to chapter one. Yeah. Forge a chain for the land is full of bloody crimes and the city is full of violence. I will bring the worst of the nations to take possessions of their house I will put an end to the pride of the strong and their holy places shall be profaned. When anguish comes, they will seek peace, but there shall be none. Disaster comes upon disaster. Rumor follows rumor. They seek a vision from the prophet while the law perishes from the priest and counsel from the elders. I want to come back to that in just a second. Mm -hmm. The king mourns, the prince is wrapped in despair and the hands of the people of the land are paralyzed by terror. According to their way, I will do to them and according to their judgments, I will judge them and they shall know that I am the Lord. Um, this verse, they shall seek a vision from the prophet while the law perishes from the priest and counsel from the elders. So is this, is this saying like, look, you have priests and you're letting the law, they're letting the law go and you have elders and they're letting wise counsel go, but you have the nerve to ask me for a vision. It's exactly what it is, right? It feels right. like it feels like today, right? Like we're watching yeah. the priests turn their churches into to Ishtar yeah. worship, watch their ter- ter- turn their churches into these atheistic, uh, you know, places of well, it's just a good message, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> I feel like we've seen that we've seen the law perish from the priests, and we've seen the council perish from the other teachers are supposed to be. Uh, people who give wise counsel and instead they're pushing a demonic agenda on children. Yeah. 
And yet yeah. people aren't worried about that. They're looking for a prophet. They're looking for someone to tell them what they want to hear. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is, it just shows the wickedness in their hearts. So like, don't tell us that we're doing something wrong. Just tell us what we want to hear. Don't yeah. tell us that we've let the law go. Don't tell us that we've let, uh, you know, we, we've done hor- horrible things to our children yeah. that we're responsible. Send us someone that'll tell us what we want to hear. They'll tell us that God's coming to deliver us. They're in exile, right? And and they, they mm-hmm. want God to be Because the only like, word from a prophet that they're looking for is yeah. that they're going home. Yeah, that it's going to get better. And he's like, fuck no. I'm just... I'm you, just getting started fucking you guys do you, up. <laughs> do you think, do you think this, this is what it makes me think of. There's people out there who have refused to do anything about anything. They, they refuse to be leaders in their church. They refuse to stand up and say, this is wrong. Uh, they refuse to, to walk away from the <clears throat> Methodist church, for example, and say, Hey, you have completely turned your back on God and we're going to start another church. But they, what they'll hold on to, what they'll cling on to is, well, God's going to rapture me before things get really bad. And that's what I need to hold. That's my whole hope. I don't have to worry about the children being sacrificed to the tune of a million a year. I don't have to worry about the children being sacrificed by being mutilated. I don't have to worry about my neighbors being killed for inju- uh, by, you know, unjust laws and unjust wars and famine in, in, in neighboring countries or anything like that. I am going to be raptured. So it's about me and I'm waiting for someone to come and tell me that God's going to pull me away from this mess that I've done nothing and to, to preserve. I feel like a lot of people are banking on that today. A lot of people are just hoping and saying, well, the end is near. Look how bad it is. That means I'm, yeah. I'm good. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's just more. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but it just gives them the excuse to not do anything. Cause they're like, Oh, well it's this bad. So that means that I don't have to worry about it anymore. Instead of trying to turn it around in any way, they're yeah. like, yeah, it's we, the, the farther I go, the more I'm like, well, no, we absolutely deserve everything that's coming. Right. All, all of us. Yeah. Yeah. The church does it more than anybody because they are, as God said to Ezekiel, responsible for the souls that they've turned away. They're responsible mm-hmm. for the people that they didn't tell the truth to. Yeah, that they got and so many trust. of them are banking on. Well, God's not mad enough at me. He's yeah. gonna like let me escape all of it. Yeah, and and there's like I, I see I see churches where it's like you you are worse. Like there are non-believers with higher moral codes than y'all that stick to their moral mm-hmm. codes better than you do. Um, yeah, I, I, I think said that to Ezekiel single. just yeah. a few chapters exactly. ago. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yes, this book was written strictly to Israel and, and the prophecies are specifically for Israel, but I think that it's not glossed over or done like really quick. I mean, there's a lot of repetition here. A lot of the Bible, a lot of the Bible <laughs> is just like, I'm going to wreck you <laughs> because, and and it's it's like God's harder. God's harder on Israel than anybody else because he was he, he, he came down and lived with them and it wasn't enough for them. Yeah. Yeah. They were chosen. They were, they were called to be uh, responsible. Yeah. Uh, also, I like this verse here that Nana C uh, shared. It says for the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires will multiply teachers for themselves because they, because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. Second Timothy four, three. Yeah. This is exactly what I left. This is exactly why I left the United Church of Christ. They went too far into the woke slash heretical teaching. I was listening to a sermon this week where 
the pastor talked about both the Church of Christ and the Methodist Church. I grew up Methodist, so I know exactly what's happened there and what's going on. I don't remember what he said about the Church of Christ. Was it they started putting up like pride flags and stuff like that inside the churches? Like literal, like let's put down the flag of the enemy. Like, and I'm not saying gay people are the enemy. I'm saying literally this is Ishtar worship and they're yeah. putting down the flag of a false god. That's that's literally what that is. It's that's why when people are mad at the chosen church. Yeah, that's that's why when people like me were mad, the chosen literally put a pride flag in their promo. They're like, you literally put the the flag of a false god in your promo for a, a TV show about Jesus. Of course, people are going to be mad, right? Um, have I wait. seen this is the end? Yes, I have. Uh, a long time ago, I don't remember too much about it other than Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum's weird part. <laughs> uh. I had a thought and then I lost it. Oh, oh, it was so anti-Semitism is, is wrong. And the, and the Bible makes it clear that it's wrong. But there's a lot <clears> of these types of verses where it says, I'll make you a reproach among the nations. Like I'm going to, I'm going to make you an example so that when people think of you, they think of me and they're scared that, that yeah. it's like, I, you're going to be a warning to them. And I think that some of anti-Semitism or maybe more of it than we think is like this genetic memory of that warning, but misplacing it and saying, well, this, this people group is like, is evil instead of taking the well, warning. Because they're not taking it the as way an that example. It's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. They're not taking an example. It's like when people say the Jews killed Jesus, right? What they're failing to say is we all killed Jesus. Yeah. Israel rebelled against God and he punished him. Yeah. So did all of us. The, Israel's yeah. a stand in for the rest of us. Yeah. That's why God is so harsh with them because they were given a role to lead, to show, mm-hmm. to show God to the nations. Mm-hmm. And as they failed, they were judged harshly. And us as Christians picking up that torch and carrying the name of Jesus are held to that standard that Israel's held yeah. to. And yet there's enough Christians out there. who will be like, well, the Jews killed Jesus. Well, the Jews did this, the Jews did that mm-hmm. it's like Jesus died for your sins too. We all killed Jesus. The Romans also killed Jesus. They kind of leave that part out. Yeah. Like it was kind of a collaboration between literally (laughs) kind of quite literally. Yeah. So, and, and it gets, it gets glossed over because people have hate in their hearts and, and it's easy to hate others and blame others instead of look at yourself and go like, have I done the same thing? You know what I mean? Have I lived the same way? Have we lived in the same rebellion? Have we gone to the idol, the houses of idols and worshiped at their altars? Uh, but we call them something, you know, clean and nice and scientific, like planned parenthood. So it's okay. Yeah. Oh, we don't call it the Valley of Gehenna. We call it planned parenthood. So it's good. It's fine. Now it's fine to, you know, literally, yeah. by the way, this is crazy. And a lot of people don't know this. When I say they, the, the Valley of Gehenna is where they used to burn, literally burn children that they were mm-hmm. killing on mass to, to, to sacrifice to Moloch. Do you know what they do with the remains of dead children in Boston? This is not a joke. You can Google anybody. Google. I, I please Google this. Uh, it might be a little hard because they're trying to cover the story up, but I've made TikToks about this in the past and I can find it for you. If you're curious, I'll probably, I'll try to post it in discord later. They take the aborted aborted. They take the murdered children's bodies mm-hmm. and they put them in incinerators to run electricity off of the city of Boston. Literally right is powered like they're by the literally the, running it on. Yeah, it's literally powered by the burning of of dead children. In part. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. Nana CC, uh, Nana C says, take the plank out of your own eye. Yeah, for sure. 
Uh, how much more do we have of this chapter? Or was that it? That was the end of chapter seven. Yes, it was. Okay. I think I lost the chat a little bit. I, I'm not sure what is being discussed, but you can't, yeah. you can't see the chat. Oh no. I just, I lost the thread of conversation. The thread. <laughs> That's fair, but yeah, no Ezekiel's wild and I don't know. Like some of it's hard to read and some of it's very repetitive. And so I'm like, ah, can we get to something good? But it's important and it's a problem that we've glossed over it for so long. Like God didn't yeah. accidentally put all of these books of prophecy in here. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is like judgment on various nations for various sins. Ezekiel's very interesting to me. I don't think we got to it yet. Um, I don't think I missed it is what I'm trying to say. Uh, but uh, there is, I, there's a part in it that is kind of the first time you hear this. It eventually makes into the great commission, which is the idea of like, look, Ezekiel, you're in a time where you don't have your, your part is not to change hearts and minds. Your part is not to argue and convince and do lectures and debates and talk about the finer points and all that stuff. He's like, your, your job is to warn people to say the truth unadulterated, harsh, yeah. literally calling Israel a bunch of whores yeah. Yeah. and because they're being whores. And as soon as you say your message, people aren't going to accept it. And you're going to move on. Mm-hmm. And it was so weird because it was a, a year, maybe it was two years ago where I was reading Ezekiel and I felt very strongly convicted that we are entering that time again, where mm-hmm. there's, there's so much, there's so many people who are so interested in uh, well, let's let's sit down and have a, a debate about creationism versus evolution with Bill Nye, and we'll ha- you know hash it out and try to make concessions and convince yeah. people that hate God and hate truth. Mm-hmm. Bill Nye literally hates truth. This guy's not a scientist. He's a guy yeah. who thinks there's like ninety seven thousand genders, and you're <laughs> wasting time on people who have so thoroughly rejected all forms of truth. How can right. you expect them to to ever accept the truth? Well, this idea and, that you have to be nice. You have to be nice. Yes. We're way past that in so many ways. There are people we still have to extend kindness to because they don't deserve to be like, mm-hmm. don't go to an abortion clinic and scream at women and call them whores. Like maybe don't do that. Right. But right. people do have to be spoken to directly and frankly, like being think, around the bush about this stuff doesn't work. I think that this may be an overused adage, but it might be useful here is I think there's three types of people. And I think the Bible, but, backs this up and says it in a few different places. But the way I look at it is there are shepherds or you could come. Some people say sheep dogs, whatever you want to say, because God is the shepherd. There's, there's, there's sheep and there's wolves. And I, I see this so often where people will be like, how can you be this harsh to this person? Like that's not a sheep. That's a wolf. That's someone who's here to devour yeah. people who are, who are less intelligent or less, you know, I don't mean less intelligent in a bad way. People who just don't know as much people who we need all to know be that some people, people need to be are, told the truth. Yeah. Yeah, well, some people are dumb. Okay, let's just say it, right? We all know that some people are dumb. (laughs) But people like Sam Harris, right? Someone who's actively going out there to to push some really awful ideas, not just because he's an atheist, but because he's a bad person. Uh, People like Bill Nye, who are bad people who who advocate for the mutilation of children and the the murder of children. Those are people who know better. Those are people who, who have chosen through all of their intelligence and supposed wisdom to do really to, to push really awful things on on the masses. Mm-hmm. And when you're harsh to people like that, a lot of Christians will get a little cringy. Yeah. And I'm like, 
Satan or Jesus literally said, "Get behind me, Satan!" To people, he literally called Pharisees, you know, uh, sons of of serpents, which is basically calling them sons of bitches in yeah. in the old in, in in that time, right? He's very. You'll notice who Jesus is the most harsh to in the New Testament, and you'll notice who God is the most harsh to in the Old Testament. And I think that that is the whole thing: is that we're not actually called to judge people equally. We actually have to decide: is this person someone who, who needs to be led, who needs guidance, or is this person someone who's out there to kill and steal and devour? And those people out there to kill and steal and devour, I just don't care to uh, waste words on and, yeah. and, and kind words. And you're never going to, you're, you're not going to sway these people. You actually need to fight these people rhetorically or whatever, but you need to do something other than, well, maybe I can, uh, you know, change their, change their mind. I don't think we're, I, I don't feel like I'm called to that at least. If you have to bend uh, unless, the truth to talk God, to them. Yeah, that's be, exactly it. Because that's what it comes down to. Is it, is it, it, it's an incredible manipulation of like, wouldn't your Jesus require that you be nice to me and, and make all these concessions to my lifestyle, even though I don't give a fuck what God thinks of me. I'm just going to use your, my understanding of your God as a club against you. That's what these conversations are. Yeah. And and who's the one seeding the ground every time? It's the Christians. Yeah, they're the ones seeding the ground. Well, yeah. you know, maybe. Well, well, well. Uh, you know, trying to trying to make their God fit into the world. Mm-hmm. Trying to make trying to make you know. Well, how can I excuse your sin? How can I excuse your wickedness and the wickedness of this world in a way that you'll think my God is good and they won't? Because they're enemies of God. Yeah. And I think people need to recognize that there are actual evil people. There actually are enemies. Uh, there's, yeah. there's pretty stark contract. There's pretty stark cases. It's really easy to look at Epstein and know the guy's evil and what he stood for and did was evil. I, I was um, basically taught in church that like people who aren't saved are only not saved because they don't know the love of God yet. Like you yeah. just have to go show them the love of God and then they'll be saved. Like, no, it's just not true. That's not true. You should show people the love of God. That doesn't Absolutely. mean that you, you have to bend over backwards for people who hate you and hate God. Yeah. I think sometimes the best thing you can do is say your thing and walk away. Yeah. Uh, I think people get drawn into these. Lo- this is why I'm not interested in debates. I think they're, I think they're ultimately worthless in the world we live in right now. Absolutely. I've watched so many debates. It's like, who, who are you convincing? Nobody. Nobody. You're not convincing anybody. You're just getting people to draw harder lines in the sand. And I, I think they're ultimately worthless for the most part. Yeah. I think there's good. There's a point to conversation, but I don't think there's a lot of point to, to debates. A lot anymore. more yes, Chad, no, Chad memes. Yeah, that's exactly it. Base Babe says, shake the dust off your feet. Yes. Yeah. I, we'll get to that the next time we talk about Ezekiel. It's in here somewhere. I don't remember where, but he's like, look, stop wasting your time. Say yeah. your thing and move on. Yeah. And, and that was also the Great Commission. And I think that <clears throat> there are absolutely <clears throat> times and situations where that's called for. And I've seen a lot of people get bogged down by trying to have a useless debate with one person instead of just calling it what it is and, and actually trying to rescue the sheep instead of trying to appease the wolves and the alligators and whatever. Yeah. Uh, too much of that happens is my point. Yeah. Anyway, I'll get off my soapbox. <laughs> I just have a lot to say tonight. Yeah. You're good. <laughs> Am I? No, <laughs> I feel you, like I'm you, talking too much. You no, know, you're like, you're like Ezekiel's my man. I'm going to, I'm going to, I don't know. No, I, I love, think- I love Ezekiel. He's the weirdest dude in the Bible. <laughs> No, it's, it's perfect. 
I think that like there are there are books of the Bible that are maybe more interesting that would be more fun to yeah. stream on, but I think we're supposed to be streaming on all these weird prophets. So <laughs> we're gonna do it. <laughs> one one day we'll do Mark because that's one of my other favorites because it's yeah. just so fast paced. Do 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 Mark. Yeah. So anyway, you look tired. We will see you guys Wednesday uh, yeah. on Conspiracy Pilled season two recap. We're going to have some updates on stories. I actually reached out to a few people who are guests who might have some updates and some things we talked about. Yeah. Uh, a lot of interesting stuff. So it's not just going to be, it's not going to be, if you've watched every episode, you can miss this one. We are going to do it just like we did the season one recap last time. We talked about Bluebeam. We brought up uh, new information that came out on, on stories we talked about before. So kind of a chance nice. to correct the record if we got anything wrong or show. A couple yeah, of cases will show that we said something. A couple of times we'll show you that we said something that turned out to be true like two weeks later. So that's always fun. Take a little victory lap. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Anything you want to say before we take off? Everybody. All right. Stay weird. Have a great night. God bless. (laughs) 